Come on, man. If you believe it and you are celebrating Easter with me today, let me hear an Easter roar all across all of our locations. Come on, yeah. Man, we serve a victorious and resurrected Lord. I am so glad that you guys are here today. My desire is to bring a message today that will bring hope and clarity into each and every single one of your lives. I wrote this message for those of you who have tried and tried to fill yourself up with all that life has to offer, only to find yourself still running on empty. I wrote this message for those of you who ran after profits and pleasure and platforms but have never been fully satisfied. I, I wrote this message for those of you who have worked yourself to the bone, gone from relationship to relationship, to those of you who no matter how much you get, it's never enough. I wrote it for those that hope that the next relationship would be the one, the last one. It's for those of you who thought that the last raise at work would be enough. I wrote this message for those of you who saved and saved and thought that the next purchase would bring happiness. It's for those of you who believe you've tried God on and it didn't seem to fit just right. It's for those of you who are wondering if this is it, if this is all there is. I wrote this message for those of you who are tired of running, tired of waiting, tired of the inescapable feeling that it might never get better. I wrote this message for those of you who would classify yourselves as spiritually confused, religiously upset, biblically underwhelmed. I wrote this message for people who are tired of chasing shades. I wanna welcome those of you joining at 48th Street, to those of you joining in Macomb and 929 in Kirksville, Pike County, Hannibal, Lima, Mount Sterling, Keokuk, Monmouth, Jacksonville. I want to welcome our four crossing inside locations, Western Illinois Correctional Center, Pike County Jail, the Adams County Jail, and the Vandalia Women's Prison, and the thousands of you joining online. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us for the first time or are joining us for the first time in a long time. We are so glad that you are here, and we are thankful that you took time out of your business, busy schedules to spend a little bit of your day with us. We want you to know that there are campus pastors and staff and difference makers at all of our locations who love you and are for you, because we serve a God who is for you and for your family. The title of my message today is Chasing Shades, turn to your neighbor, say, chasing shades. Would you do that real quick? <coughs> the problem with chasing shades is it robs you of at least two things. It robs you of your clarity, and it steals your hope. That's exactly what Satan does. It's also what the world does. It robs and it steals your hope and your clarity. It gives you enough light to see, but not enough light to understand. You can end up chasing shades. Let me explain it to you. Your eyes are not deceiving you. I am standing in front of you, a six foot six, 300 pound man in a pink shirt and blue bottoms. <laughs> yeah, I'm like cotton candy Clayton. That's what this is. This is bubble gum. And if you, if you call the crossing home, you know that my wife is the one who dresses me when I'm supposed to go out in public places. But I had it set apart in my heart that this was the outfit I was gonna wear this weekend because I'm a sucker for a pastel, it's what happens. 
And, uh, but in the right light, I'm okay. Uh, have you ever noticed that sometimes uh, you chase shades? That you miss out on all the brilliant colors that life has to offer? You just get sucked into chasing shades? Uh, let, let me explain in a different way. Um, to, all the, to all the ladies that are listening at all of our different locations, give me a mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure there are girls here. Um, have you noticed that uh, the guy you married, he went to Walmart or he hopped online and he wanted some camo-colored Crocs just to kind of have something nice to put in his, his feet in after a long, hard day at work. And he wanted the camo-colored Crocs to go with his camo-colored cargo pants that match his camo-colored boat. And from time to time, he goes out and buys new rods, new reels, and new lures so he can go out and fish and hopefully catch more fish. And then he was like, you know, sweetie, I feel like maybe I'm, I shouldn't just fish. I feel like I should maybe get into hunting. And so, you know, he, maybe he's like me. Deep down inside, he has a desire to have uh, a Browning Satori Lightning over under. He wants the matching set, the 12 gauge and the 20 gauge. And he justifies the purchase that one day he'll give them off to his kids. And then he's like, you know what? I, I feel if I'm going to do hunting, I probably need to get myself a four-wheeler because in case I do shoot one, I don't want to have to drag it up by myself and throw my back out and not be able to work and provide for you, sweetie. So I feel like I do need the four-wheeler. And the garage keeps getting more and more full of things, but he doesn't get any happier. He's made all the purchases he's wanted, but it's not changed it. In fact, he's still pretty stinking grumpy. And you're kind of glad he has all those things, and you're kind of like, don't you want to go away for the weekend just with your friends or maybe by yourself? Take a week if you need to, right? Some of you guys are like, hold on a second, Clayton. I thought we were friends, okay? I came here on Easter weekend, and this is what you're going to do to me? It's all right. Fellas, if you're with, if you're with me, give me a hoo. Okay, I got, I got, some, I got a home team. Um, guys, maybe you can understand. Uh, maybe you know somebody. Um, let's call them spouse. And your life was going actually pretty good for all of it. And uh, one of the things you got really good at was sleeping. You go in, you lay down in your bed, you pull up the covers, put your head on the pillow, go to sleep, not a problem. And you've been married to spouse for a while, and you come home from work one day, and you go into your bedroom, and um, there are new pillows on your bed. You're like, that's weird, um, but okay. And uh, they're, they're different, but, you know, they're pillows. Well, after you finish, you know, cooking dinner and doing the dishes like you normally do, um, you, whoa, 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 settle down. We don't know who I'm talking about. It might be somebody else's husband I'm referring to. Sheesh, ladies. Okay, and you get ready to go lay down and go to bed, and you pull up the covers, and you lay your head on the pillows, and spouse comes in, and she goes, what are you doing? And you go, what do you mean, what am I doing? She goes, what are you doing? I'm going to sleep. What are you doing with your head there? Where? On the pillow. Oh, I had my head on the pillow because it's a, it's a pillow. She said, oh no, those pillows are not for sleeping. Those are accent pillows. They're for decoration. And you think, who are we decorating for? It's literally just us all the time in here. If, you're, if your house is like my house, 
As soon as you invite people over, as soon as they come in the front door, your wife pulls the bedroom door and says, do not let anybody go in there. So why, who are we? Okay, all right. But uh, this psych spouse that you are with, she's, she trains you. You take the, the accent pillows every night off the bed, and you put them on the floor. You throw them down there. And then in the morning, you make the bed, and you put them back every day. And this is your life. And she wonders why you want to go fishing. Okay? <laughs> and then, just when she's got you trained, you come home from work one day, and you go to sit in your favorite chair or your favorite couch. And you notice there are pillows there too. But you've been trained. You know exactly what to do. You pick up these pillows and you throw them on the ground. And she goes, what are you doing? And you go, I'm doing what you've trained me to do. She says, no, these are not accent pillows. These are throw pillows. And they're called throw pillows because you don't get to throw these on the floor. And she keeps going to Target with her friends and buying more pillows. And where you used to be able to set your drink on the end table and you used to have an armrest, now it's just you on a couch meant for six, sitting by yourself in a whole bunch of pillows. (laughs) And to think that woman that you fell in love with gets up every day and goes to a job that she doesn't like, with people she doesn't like, for a boss that she doesn't like, to earn money, to go out and buy pillows, to destroy your marriage. (laughs) Have you ever felt like you were chasing shades? Let me show it to you spiritually. Jesus says this in John chapter 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Whoever is in a relationship with Jesus will have their needs met and everything will go well for them. But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf uh, attacks the flock and scatters it. I wonder if there's somebody joining from our different locations who feels a little scattered. (coughs) The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's Good Friday. That's Jesus on the cross. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, that's the cross again, only to take it up again. That is Easter Sunday. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Make no mistake about it, you have an enemy. He attacks your past, your present, your relationships, your identity, your future. 
There are some of you listening to my voice right now and you've had people placed in your life who are to provide and protect and instead they used you and abandoned you. There are some of you here today watching online or joining us from the crossing inside and you're looking at the Christian life and the promise of a fulfilled and abundant life and you're going, there's no way. If you could pick a couple of words to describe the Christian life, the two you would not pick for sure would be full and abundant. Is it possible that we're simply chasing shades? That we're not actually living the life that God intended for us to live? The problem with shades, the problem with the lack of clarity is that you don't know what to chase. You've seen that I am surrounded by color, but you can't see it anymore. It's there, nothing's moved. Do you remember where the green one was? The blue one? The red one? You could see it. When you saw it, it made sense. But then, the harder you look, you just feel like you're chasing shades. This happens in all kinds of ways. The good gifts that God has given us, the things that he has given us for our enjoyment and to glorify him, we can end up worshiping those things instead of the giver of those good things. Where you can find yourself placing those things in the place of God. Make no mistake about it, we were made to worship. All of us will worship someone or something. Some of you, you may worship your job, some of you your money, some of you your kids, some of you your spouse, others your platform, but what happens when they don't fulfill you? What happens when you lose them? We see it happen all the time. We know this to be true. We watch it in the news and we see people who seem to have it all. All the money that you could ever want, they're famous across the globe, access to all the pleasure that the world has to offer, yet their lives are shambles held together by drugs, rehabs, and relapses. How many of us have watched childhood stars and Hollywood elites' lives spiral out of control or painfully cut short? That's why Easter is so special and so significant, because Jesus' death on the cross and three days later coming back to life brings the light we desperately need. We see things differently because of the light. I believe we see at least three things differently. Because of the light of Jesus Christ, the first thing that I think we all see differently is we would see our situation differently. We would recognize that the things that God has given us, they are gifts from God, but they are not a replacement for God. Maybe the reason why you are not living life to the full is you are worshiping the gift God gave you and not God himself. They should cause us to worship God, but they cannot be the object of our worship. Gifts are to be given, not stored. That's the path to an abundant life. That the things that God gives us are meant to be a benefit to others, not just to benefit ourselves. Let me show it to you. For instance, our money is not for consumption, but it is for giving. And the stats on this are in. The World Happiness Report just came out, and it says that the more generous you are, 
the more happy you become. Which makes what Jesus said in Scripture, it is more blessed to give than to receive, make a whole lot more sense. That the power you and I have is not for us to control things, but to help people. There's a Chinese proverb that says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. Some of you are like, praise God, right there. That's my message. That was my Easter message, okay? Some of you are like, I actually want, uh, like, that's, can we just play the song and leave because I want to go home and take a nap? And some of you just woke up. Hi, my name's Clayton, and I'm glad you're here, okay? If you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want it for a day, go fishing. If you want it for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want it for a lifetime, help somebody. That happiness comes, the stats are in on this, that the more you help other people, the more happy and fulfilled you become. You'll have a greater sense of purpose and well-being. That when you help other people, it releases endorphins. Psychologists call it you getting a helper's high. Maybe the path to an abundant life is in loving and serving other people instead of just serving and loving ourselves. We would realize that in our situation that our platform isn't up for personal elevation but for lifting other people up and lifting other people out. If you to see your life through the lens of Jesus, through the light that he brings, we would stop chasing shades. We would see things differently in our situation. We'd realize that our time is not running out, our time is actually running up. So many of us are trying to get everything we can out of this life as if this life is all there is. But when you come into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your clock doesn't run down, it begins running up. That our death is not the end, it is not our destination, but is an invitation to eternity with God Himself. Look what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of us have sinned. All of us will eventually die. But for those of us who are in an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when we die, we will be with him forever. <coughs> we won't just see our situation differently. Through the light of Jesus, we would see God differently. And I talk to a lot of people, and I'm amazed at how, how so many people see God differently than I do. Maybe you've had that same situation. You'll be talking to somebody, and the God that they're talking about doesn't sound anything like the God that you know. But it's only through the lens of Jesus, through the light of Jesus, that we're able to stop chasing shades and actually see God the way he actually desires to be seen. For instance, uh, if you, through the light of Jesus, you would realize that God is not controlling, but caring. He's not trying to limit you, he is trying to protect you. As the creator of life, he knows best how to live that life. What will bring you ultimate happiness? What will bring you ultimate fulfillment, what will give you abundance. He knows what will do those things, and he also knows what will steal them and rob them. He knows what will destroy, and he knows what will bring you life and life to the full. If you look at God through the light of Jesus, you would see that God's not angry, he's loving. That the wrath of God that you and I racked up was satisfied through Jesus on the cross, that he 
loves us. That's why it says in John 3.16, you guys know this one. You've got it on a couple coffee mugs at home. A couple of you got a tattoo on a spring break when you were talking to other people. You got John 3.16 somewhere on your body. You guys all know this. For God so, what's the next word? Yeah, the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You would realize that God's not against you, but God is for you. He is for your good. He is for your family. He is for a full and abundant life. God is for you. I'll prove it to you. Look what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. That's why he sent his son to die for you. Through the lens of Jesus, through the light of Jesus, we would also realize that God is not distant, but God is close. I know sometimes people feel like because God is a cosmic God, he's so far away that even if you screamed and shouted and waved flags, he wouldn't even notice you. But all too often in Scripture, the way to get God's attention is not screaming and shouting, it's whispering because he's that close. In fact, when he sent his son Jesus to earth, he said, and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Jesus left earth, he said, I'm going to leave behind my Holy Spirit, which is God in us. You don't have to scream and shout. He is close, close enough to whisper. Look what it says in Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If there are some of you listening to me right now and you would classify yourself as crushed in spirit, I want you to know maybe God has never been closer. We would see our situation differently. We would see God differently. But the last thing I want to tell you, through the light of Jesus, I think we would see ourselves differently. It was a couple years back, my oldest son was uh, just barely walking and we were, it was, a, it was a warm day and we were outside and I was just looking at him. And some of you, you've been there, where you are just overcome with emotion as you stare at your kid. Like your heart is completely full and you can't really articulate it. And it was just one of those special moments and I immediately called my dad. And when he picked up the phone, I said, Dad, I'm standing here looking at my son and I am overwhelmed by how much I love him and it's in this moment that I fully understand what you mean when you say you love me. It was only until I could see myself through the eyes of a father that I understood how much my father loved me. It was as I looked at Zane, I realized how my father looked at me. Um, some of you, you're getting ready in the morning and your spouse is in the bathroom and maybe you're like me and sometimes I'll write post-it notes and sometimes I'll have little uh, rap poems, which they don't go over well, but I do them anyway. 
Sometimes I'll sing her a song. And, uh, you know, we got, you got the mirror in the bathroom, and I'll say things like, oh, my goodness. Woo! You are looking good today. She's just, will you quit? And she'll put on a certain outfit, and she'll be like, how does this look? And I'll be like, whoo, I don't know if I'd leave in that. That you look way too good. No one's going to be able to work today. Will you stop? Sometimes I'll just be a decent human being, and I'll go, you look beautiful. And she'll go, yeah, right. Because women, they're not complicated. And... Um, Fellas, have you, ever, have you ever wished that you could pull your eyes out of your head and shove them in her head and then turn her head towards the mirror and go, now look at you. Look at you through my eyes. Because then she'd know, wouldn't she? She would know how she can take your breath away she would know how radiant she looks to you. She would know, because if just for a little bit she could see herself through your eyes, it would be a game changer. Your kids are getting frustrated at you by the way you're parenting and the way you're coaching them and the way you're saying yes to certain things and no to other things, and your kids are like, how could you do this to me? You don't even love me, and you just wish you could look. Look at yourself. I am for you. I am good to you. I am trying to protect you and equip you and empower you and help you say yes to good things and no to bad things. If you could just see yourself through my eyes. I, you tracking with me? If I could wish anything today all across this region, it would be that you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus. That's what I want for you. And whether uh, we know each other or not, would you just let me be your pastor for just a few moments? And I wanna tell you what I think you would see, what I know you would see if you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, if you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, this is what you'd see, that you are not an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. You were put together by God himself. You were knit together in your mother's womb. You were made in his image. You were made to proclaim good news to the lonely, the sick, the hurting, and the poor. You have heavenly water for the thirsty. You have godly food for the hungry. You have freedom for the captive and liberation for those in bondage. Your life has purpose and value. You bring light into the darkness. You exchange beauty for ashes, mourning for dancing in despair. You bring joy. If you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, you would realize that your past has been redeemed. Your sins have been forgiven. They have been covered by the blood of Jesus. They've been nailed to the cross. They've been cast as far as from the east, as from the west. By his stripes, you've 
been healed. Your sins are no longer your shame, but the introduction to the story of how God has made you new. Therefore, you can claim what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone, would you point to an anyone? You could point to your neighbor. You could point to yourself. You could point to me, and I could point to you. Everybody say anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. If you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, this is what you'd see. That because of his spirit that he placed in you when you got baptized, that you have everything you need for an abundant life. You can be loving even when it's difficult. You can be joyful even in painful circumstances. You can have peace in the midst of uncertainty. You can be patient in a world that is rushed. You have the power to be kind and good and faithful and gentle. Through the power at work in the Holy Spirit that is in your life, you have, the ability, you have self-control, the ability to say no to the things that seek to destroy your relationships, your purpose, and your calling. If you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, you would realize that you no longer have to live in fear because the Bible teaches that perfect love casts out fear. But perfect love is not something you possess or something you know. It is a person you know. Perfect love has a name. And it is the matchless, precious, life-altering name of you know it. Help me out. Oh, yes, you do. That that name, the name that is above every name, can be known and can be trusted. That even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because he's with you. You're not alone if you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus. You wouldn't be as worried or as anxious because you would have access to him. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You would know in your heart the truth of the song you sang when you were young. He's got the whole world. Oh, you know it. That's who I'm talking about. If you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, you would realize that you are the object of his affection, that he lavishes his love on you, and that even when you are weak, you are strong because he is your strength. If you could see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, you would realize that your future is bright and secured. You have a place in heaven. He is preparing a place for you. The reservation has been made. Your name is on the list. This world is not your home. There is something better coming your way. So would you please stop chasing shades? and step into the abundance that God has to offer. I want you to think about that as we move into a time of decision. I wanna to talk to just three groups of people real quick. There's some of you in here that you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For one reason or another, it's just never been your turn, never been your moment, and I get it. You've seen other people do it, You've had questions about what it would look like for you to do it, or maybe you're hearing all of this for the very first time. And I just gotta tell you where I'm at. That when I think about an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and those of you who call the crossing home, you've heard this before, and you're gonna have to back me up in just a second. But if you were to ask me about my relationship with Jesus Christ, I would just tell you two things. One, it is the single greatest decision that I have ever made. 
And my biggest regret is that I didn't do it sooner. And I know what you're tempted to think. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but Clayton, um, you know, you're a professional Christian. You're, you're paid to be here. This is part of your thing. Hear me. You don't have, you don't have to. Trust me. In fact, I wouldn't. Um, but I'm not the only testimony in this room. I'm not the only life that's been repurposed and redeemed in this room. I'm willing to wager that I'm not the only person in this room who would agree with those two statements, that it's the best decision they've ever made and their biggest regret is they didn't do it sooner. Let me prove it to you. If you would agree with those two statements, would you put your hand up? You are standing or sitting right now in a room full of testimonies and it could be your testimony too. There's some of you are going, but Clayton, I don't know enough. <coughs> I hear you. I hear you. I, I get you don't know enough. But that hasn't stopped you from making all kinds of decisions in your life. Some of you, you'd put toothpaste in your, in your, uh, in your gas tank if there weren't instructions. You bought cars, and you don't know jack about cars. You do what I do. Does it have cooled seats because I'm a big boy? That's all I need to know, sir. Right? Did you know everything about women before you uh, got married? Probably not. Did you know everything about your job before you took it? Did you know everything about your house before you bought it? Wish you had, but you bought it anyway. You just have to know enough. Well, you know more along the way, you better believe it. But sometimes you just gotta go, do I know enough? And for me, I knew enough. I knew that I was not living the life I was designed for. I knew it in my soul. I knew that there was something wrong that needed to be fixed, that there was a hole that needed to be filled. I, I knew that whatever it was, it wasn't in me. And then someone told me about Jesus. And that was all I needed. That he would take all the broken in me and he would put it back together that he would redeem and repurpose my life. I knew enough. And there might be some of you in here today that you're going, you know what? It's been long enough. And there might be some of you here today saying, I know enough. And in just a few moments, we're gonna give you an opportunity. You can walk over by the baptistry. You can talk to somebody here about how to start that relationship with Jesus. Right now you're going, but I don't have clothes to get wet and change just so you know we've already got all the stuff you need so that, way that that's not an excuse. And I can just tell you, there is no better way to celebrate Easter than to live it. Because that's what happens when you get baptized. You are buried and you die to yourself and then you are brought back to life in the newness of Christ. And that could be your story today. The second group of people I wanna to talk to are those of you who, uh, you have you followed Jesus for a while at some point, but you haven't been following him lately. If you were to be honest, uh, you're kind of surprised that you're here. You know, you, you used to be super committed or super involved. You used to, you have a whole lot of used to about you and your faith, but not a whole lot of present tense. And I don't know what's driving that, and maybe you don't either, but I just have one question for you. Why does God have you here today? Why did he put you in this place to hear this message today? If not, for the purpose of calling you to recommit, re-engage. Maybe God is wanting to use this moment in your life 
to get you to stop chasing shades and to chase after him again. And if that's you, I'm gonna encourage you at some point in time, maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you wanna come up here and just get down on your knees and pray and say, God, I, I just need to recommit to you. I need to re-engage. I need to reorient my life towards you. Third group of you, those of you who call yourself, you know, Christians, totally sold out, love the Lord, things are going great. I just don't ever wanna be a church that takes the love of Jesus and his sacrifice for granted. That because of what he's done for us, we should be the most excited, most joyful, most amped people on planet earth. Our smile should be the hardest smile to wipe off our face because we just can't get over how good he is. And so would you at some point in time, whether you come up here and get down on your knees and just pray a prayer of thanksgiving over everything that God has saved you from, over everything that he's redeemed you from, or maybe as, it's, as you're standing there, you're lifting both hands up and you're singing as loud as you can, letting God know you recognize and you are forever thankful, forever grateful for his work on your behalf. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Would you guys stand with me? God, use this moment right now here and all across this region to bring about lasting change in every heart, not just for the hearts that are, have been running from you or have never known you, but God, also bring it about in the hearts of people who've been following after you for a while. God, remove the calluses, bring a fresh love and a fresh commitment out of each and every single one of us. Selfishly, God, I ask that for every person in this room that they would recognize that you're in here and that you're moving and the God that they would trust you with the next step that they need to take. In your name I pray, amen.